Hello, and welcome to Teacher Tales, a podcast from the spirit of teaching. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I invite you to join me and my guests as we get curious, explore, discover, and learn more about what is really at the heart of teaching. In each episode, we will hear the story of a teacher, what called them to teach, what are their greatest joys and challenges in teaching, what inspires them, and what are their hopes, dreams, and vision for the education of children. We will learn more about the greatest lessons they have taught and also the greatest lessons they have learned. No checklists, no standards, no reports, no paperwork, and no data. Just stories from their hearts to our hearts on a journey to celebrate what really matters in the true spirit of teaching. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Teacher Tales. My guest today is a very special person. I feel I've been talking to him about how we have this big Venn diagram overlap um, in our journey as teachers and as human beings on earth, you know, trying to be of service and help others. And that's the goal of Spirit of Teaching. So I'm just going to let him introduce himself and tell everyone a little bit about who he is and uh, why he became a teacher and what his journey's been. So welcome. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So I am Malik Boykin. Um, I'm also Malik Starks, the hip-hop artist. I'm a professor in the Department of Cognitive, Linguistic, and Psychological Sciences at Brown University, but essentially a social psychologist by training uh, who broadly studies discrimination, uh, the psychology of it, and the psychological impact of it, uh, as well as uh, I teach a course called Stigma, and and that has been um, a great joy for me. Um, being able to teach this course, especially in this uh, season of history, where many of the topics that we discuss in a course called Stigma and Prejudice are very just relevant to the experiences, um, both of my students' lives and or the ones that they're making sense of in the news cycle um, and in their neighborhoods and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I also have the distinction of being a second generation uh, psychology professor as my father uh, is a psychology professor currently. And, uh, you know, as I I don't uh, probably have not talked about her quite as much uh, uh, in these forms, but uh, my mother was a classroom teacher um, in elementary uh, for elementary school students uh, and eventually a guidance counselor and then eventually an attorney uh, advocating for students uh, given some of the things that she learned about their lives. So um, yeah, I got it. I got this education thing honest, uh, you know, from both, both sides of the family and uh, you know, the journey to here has been um, yeah, quite an interesting one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I know that a guidance counselor told you that you really weren't college material and uh, that happens a lot. And being in high school, I had that experience where in a very high achieving high school, they, every student was told that they had to go to an Ivy League school, or if they didn't, then they were not worthy 
or if they didn't get the grades, they were going to be, you know, a loser and just on unemployment or just a minimum wage job and never encouraged a trade or a skill or address them as human beings with a gift to share with the world. Everyone's got a special gift to share. So you want to talk about that experience with the guidance counselor and how you overcome yeah, yeah, I you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about another one also because you just you just sent a, a did a, a you know flashed a light bulb for me from my from my journey, but actually my ninth grade English teacher uh, told me that I was gonna work at McDonald's for my life my entire you know the rest of my life. Um, you know I wasn't working at McDonald's at that point in time. Not quite sure where she you know got that particular uh, prediction. Uh, for me for uh, uh, from but she had <laughs> told her that I was going to be a professor I told her that in uh, in ninth grade and she laughed at me she laughed in my face <laughs> you know and that like that was you know just kind of a, a a tough experience but you know I felt like she was wrong that history was going to prove me right and I did not necessarily care about what she said um and then fast forward to you know the end of high school where i am in this meeting where you meet with your guidance counselor and you talk about what your future may hold and thinking about next steps after high school and he told me that you know just in a way that that felt like he was uh shielding me from having high expectations about myself like he was breaking some sad news to me like you know you're you're just not college material like you know just broke that to me and um it just landed on me as like if this is what this person thinks that I don't have I don't have any more seconds to devote to listening to them so I stood up in their office I shook their hand said thanks and I turned around and walked out. That was the end of the meeting for me. I think it was slotted to be in half an hour or something. And it might have lasted all of about 45 seconds. And, um, you know, that was that. Was that. And, um, you know, uh, he unfortunately, maybe for students uh, where he, um, you, you know, in his wake, <laughs> he has been promoted to an assistant principal someplace. Uh, and meanwhile, when I had posted something about this experience um, after becoming, after accepting this professorship at Brown, I posted something about that on my Facebook page. And so many of my friends said, he said the same thing to me. Like, oh my God, he said the same thing to me. He said the same thing to me. And, you know, I'm like reading posts, uh, replies from friends of mine who have master's degrees and, you know, uh, professional careers and are out, you know, in the world doing great work and inspiring people and, and are leading um, to just know that <laughs> it was, was, you know, I don't know, maybe this guy's go-to line or something. I'm not quite sure where he got that prediction of, uh, uh, of us from, but it certainly uh, landed on me as uh, functionally ridiculous and, um you know, not, not worth having inform how I valued myself or what I thought I could do. Yeah. 
kingdom. That's wonderful that you didn't take him seriously because it, it could have changed the course of your life. But part of this, the spirit of teaching in the podcast that we're doing is to in, inspire teachers, but also to have them reflect a little bit on uh, the words they choose and how they respond, not react, but respond to students and how teachers are great influencers in life. And I, um, I, I think that teachers have a great power that they wield, but they don't understand the consequences of the power that they're wielding, that their words can either harm or uplift mm -hmm. uh, students. And mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, you use um, a phrase called, you, you know, you promote now authorizing. So you say that we need to look in the mirror, we need to, uh, you know, authorize our worthiness. And I think mm -hmm. that teachers can be a little bit of that mirror also to bring out that light in students or those gifts that then can validate and authorize them. So you wanna talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that it has been an important um, point for me in my development um, and even in places where I've stumbled or in places where, you know, I find myself up against, you know, uh, some sort of roadblock and realizing that maybe the roadblock is me. And that, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, have I actually authorized myself to get past this roadblock? Have I looked myself in the mirror and told myself that I'm worthy of getting past this roadblock? And when I tell myself, do I believe it? And sometimes that, what I call mirror work, uh, is often a, a, a milestone that, uh, it catapults me past, you know, this, this particular um, uh, challenge. And I think that uh, in many, many cases, I find students who uh, don't know their own strengths, uh, who uh, have brilliant ideas and maybe haven't had people um, let them know that like, no, these, these, you know, maybe these ideas are unrefined, but invest in this. It's a great idea. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, and really authorize yourself to invest in yourself and invest in this idea and invest in this future and invest in, you know, this goal. Um, you know, and I, I think that one of the places where that just, you know, kind of came full circle and uh, really, really just, you know, almost put like, uh, like smelling salts under my nose, just kind of woke, woke me up a bit. Uh, I had <laughs> run into, I was, I was at a conference, the Society for Experimental Social Psychology. And I had, uh, I was sitting at a table by myself. This is kind of one of those conferences where everybody's really, you know, fancy. And I was still a graduate student and I just didn't know all of the fancy cool people in psychology uh, at this time. And there was a lady at the name who had dropped her wallet or dropped her credit card or something. She dropped something on the floor. And I walked over to her and said, uh, uh, Miss, I, I think you dropped uh, your, your card here. And she reached down to pick it up and looked at my badge and said, Boykin, is your father Wade Boykin? And I said, 
Yes. She said, I was a research assistant for your father, like, you know, many, many moons ago. And I, I was in his class and he came up to me and said, you're going to be my research assistant. And she said it was like the first time that somebody really told her that she was smart and that she had, you know, this, uh, um, this potential. And uh, he worked with her. They published a paper together. She, uh, he wrote a um, recommendation letter for her for graduate school. She ended up doing a PhD at Harvard and, um, you know, and is now like winning career awards in psychology and so on and so forth. But had somebody not took, taken the time to invest in her and to like, let her know, like you're, you're sitting on some strength here. You're sitting on some, some intellectual power here. Like you should really do something like this, you know, mm -hmm. and, and helped her to, to authorize herself to, to go forward. Then many of the, these great scientific insights that she made, uh, Judy Herakawicz is her name. Many of these great scientific uh, insights that she's made and continues to make, uh, we just miss out on them as a society. And I feel like that's, that's also like a part of the big picture, like, you know, authorizing people who have talent and are under authorized and aren't really, you know, uh, um, seeing uh, encouragement in, in their networks and uh, from from the you know the education institutions and such I mean sometimes we we gotta we gotta look for that and just you know tell folks like hey you know like yeah like you know do do something with this and I you know uh, while my story has uh, this particular English teacher who told me I was going to work at at McDonald's forever and and this particular guidance counselor who told me that I wasn't college material I also have memories of my English teacher the next year telling me that, you know, she really thought I could do better than I was doing and uh, and other, um, you know, instances where where, uh, you know, my undergraduate's intro to psychology uh, professor told me that I was one of the best students he ever had. And then while my grades at that point in time did not reflect that when it was time for me um, once I pivoted and, and had a much better academic record and, and was uh, on the, the pathway to making something of it, I went back to him and asked him if he would write a recommendation letter for me, uh, uh, you know, reaching back to this time where I hadn't been the best student, but he saw this potential in me, you know? Uh, and I think that that's, you know, really um, valuable. And if you see that, then it's one of those things that, you know, you, you just never know what this nugget you drop on somebody uh, can turn into, uh, you know, could give them, it could keep the light of hope on, um, even through uh, eras of their life where maybe they aren't living up to the potential that you see in them. Mm -hmm. Tell them, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, they, 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 they may use that to fuel them finding their way eventually. And I think that my story includes some of that as well. I mean, what does it cost? a teacher or any human being to just say a kind word to another or to acknowledge or recognize or see them, you know, to see them who for who they are, who they really are and look for all of the, the light and the goodness and everything in them. And I love the words that you use being a language teacher and a language geek. I love like 
you know, the whole idea of authorizing and then investing. And then you use the word valuable because when you invest, you do get value out of it. And that's what mm -hmm. teachers are doing every day with students. And they have to remind themselves that they, they are making an investment in the future of the world through those mm -hmm. kids by mm -hmm. seeing them and their worthiness and authorizing them and everything. So I, I want to talk about a couple of other things. Um, uh, I know you said you teach the psychology of stigma and prejudice. And the, uh, that's another thing where valuing and seeing people beyond you know, what the color of their skin is or what you've been told and what you, you believe because people have told you that. If you had believed that guidance counselor that you were not worthy of going to college and everything, or that you believe that teacher that said you were gonna work at McDonald's, it's the same sort of thing, I think, with, um, and stigma says, it says it's a mark of disgrace associated with particular circumstance, quality, or person. And I think that that is, and then the prejudice is you prejudge someone, you don't really know them. So you prejudge based on things you've been told or your past belief systems and the whole psychology of it is very fascinating to me. But it was always something in the classroom as a teacher that I understood the power that I had and the lenses through which I looked at my students. And so in your class, how do you try to change those lenses for students to get them to understand? And what could you say to teachers to help them to change the lenses through which they look at their students and you know, not attach stigmas or prejudices or, um, but I, would, I used to not go to the teacher's workroom because I didn't wanna hear all the other teachers talking about students and their stories and their perception of the students that may have been, like if I had heard that guidance counselor say, well, you know, he's never gonna go to college, he's worthless and stuff. And I didn't know you, I might've believed that. And the power of words and the power of, um, that we have as teachers. So how do you address that with students? And what could you tell teachers about that as far as the psychology of it? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of, um of tools at my disposal where I, when I teach this class and I, I feel like I, I go into it um, with a clear kind of, you know, well thought about syllabus about going to chain these ideas together and they were, they're going to build upon each other. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, Such so that the, the conversations get really complex towards the end. Right. But the very first thing that I do my first day of class, I spend more than half of that class telling my backstory, where I'm from. You know, I, I literally give them a picture of me in elementary school mm -hmm. and, you know, tell stories um, from the beginning uh, really tough stories, you know, things that are, are, you know, unflattering about the journey for me. Um, and, you know, just uh, some of the tough uh, experiences that I've had with police officers. Uh, I have a very, like, you know, candid uh, um, 
conversation about that and about, you know, the moments where um, my pursuit of my music career literally looked like it had gone up in smoke and I was in a point of crisis and um, pivoted towards this, uh, um, you know, the, these, these chapters of my life that I'm in now. And I think that it establishes a culture of vulnerability from the beginning. Um, and I also give space to my students for the first several minutes of class to share stories, uh, as long as they're connected to the lesson and the literature to make it uh, meaningful for them and their lives, just so that they are, are not just reading what's on the page and learning the lesson to you know, regurgitate answers later, but actually frame things from their lives for us to all discuss, for us to you know, collectively learn from one another. And I, I have taught this course now just as the, as the lead instructor, you know, as the professor of record twice. And I've got 100% participation. I mean, even the people who are pretty quiet in class will speak up and tell stories that we all are able to take something from. And so, you know, from that, that standpoint, I, I will also reincorporate <laughs> some of what I hear from them into what we do in the future, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you know, they're, they're part of uh, uh, the growth. It's like, oh, this is, this is something that folks are responding to or the, something that people want to hear more about. As well as I, at, at the end of the semester, I ask for very specific feedback about what worked for them and what didn't, what did they really connect to? And um, I'm able to filter more of that. So the, the second iteration of the course, I, I think was even deeper than the first one, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, you know, from, from that, uh, uh, with a father who also studies education and studies transactions between students and teachers and culture, uh, this idea of meaningful learning, making it mean something to them. So it, it's not just you teaching your favorites and it's not just you teaching, you know, the standardized curriculum, but also connecting it to their lives and letting, letting them do some of that work for you. How does this connect to your life? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and uh, I, I've not had people be shy about that at all. And I think it has really raised the, uh, the caliber of the discourse uh, that we've had. And um, we also collectively take care of each other's words. And I'm, I'm very particular about making sure we do that. And by doing that uh, as the leader of the discourse, it establishes a culture of that where we take care of each other's words and take care of each other's stories. Yeah. That is just so profound and that teachers have to wake up to is that they are the leader of the discourse and they set the tone, they're the role model. And, and the word um, again, authorize and then author is from Latin and it means um, to originate or um, to, uh, to promote. And so you're promoting yourself, but also we get the word author authentic from that. So authentic, when you're being authentic and you're being in your truth and your true self uh, as a teacher, and then as students, they will feel that they can be vulnerable, like you said, to be authentic. 
And then what happens to what I've seen and what I was the magic of teaching is you have these heart connections and human connections that, and I taught languages. So culture was a big part about, you know, so these people from other countries do these other things that are not the same as the way we do them. How is it the same, you know, and also how is it different, but how can you relate to it? How you, and kids handled that beautifully it's adults that can't you know mm. do that and i mean kids are very open and they're malleable and everything and teachers have to understand they have a a, a a lump of clay so to speak and they can mold it whatever way they want i was recently on a flight and the flight attendant said you know four-year-olds are willing to wear a mask what's wrong with you a parent 34 year olds not willing to wear a mask you know, I mean, it's, it's a choice and we're role modeling all the time. So for kids, um, and there's, a, again, a lot of psychology behind that. And, and, um, and I, you know, I just hope that teachers will realize that. And this new year coming up after the pandemic, don't look that the students have a learning loss, that they're in a def deficit already, or they're behind already. Uh, look at it. The, potential potential comes from the word power that there's power they have and it also comes from the word to be able or have the ability to so they're able to do whatever you put in front of them and what you, whatever you believe in them and if you believe differently then uh, that's what they're going to believe too so there's just so much power in that um so um, <laughs> i want to kind of segue into um a little shout out to kizzy kizzy parks um she has a podcast adult fluent essential life skills for you and i love that because that was another thing in my classroom i was like if it doesn't relate to the real world and to you personally and you can't find meaning in it like you said earlier then what are we going to learn it for you know why am i going to teach it that's a waste of breath and your time. Exactly. So I love that she has that kind of podcast and she recommended you. And she said um, that uh, she said, you're the first black professor at the department of cognitive linguistic and psychological sciences at Brown university and um, a member of the Omega is that sci-fi um, fraternity. Yep. Omega yeah. sci-fi fraternity. Yeah. And, and then she says, and he is a dope hip hop artist. So tell us how you got into that and um, you, your TikTok video. And then we're going to segue into another little Venn diagram overlap uh, called Maya Angelou. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously Maya Angelou is amazing for so many reasons. Uh, you know, it's just a, a polymathic talent uh, of her own, uh, you know, singer, dancer, poet writer, uh, activist, you know, uh, um, scholar, so on and so forth. Uh, and I spent, well, so I've been doing, I've been making hip hop music since I was in elementary school. Like when I first heard, you know, The Message and Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh and these records, when I was really, really tiny, they just spoke to me. It was the coolest stuff I'd ever heard. And I was hooked on it and I kept listening to it and I kept listening to it. And then around, I don't know, late eighties, I'm dating myself. There were uh, uh, some really great 
educational hip hop records where people were, you know, teaching about uh, alternative takes on history that seemed a little bit more like what I thought to be true. And, uh, you know, I just just latched onto it and consumed as much of it as I could and also um, made some of my own. And maybe some of the ones that I made, you know, some of the hip hop songs and uh, uh, rhymes that I wrote when I was a, a kid, you know, they sound like a kid wrote them, right? But hip hop with me, um, I grew up with it. And so, you know, even in this season of life where, um, in, you know, a professor and mentor is, is and sharing my journey is a lot of uh, what I do, um, that's a lot of what you find in my hip hop music as well. Right. And so it's just kind of, it's kind of tracked my growth as a, as a, uh, uh, from boyhood to manhood uh, uh, in a sense. And I think that you find that with a lot of, uh, a lot of hip hop artists, you know, my good brother, uh, David Wall Rice down at Morehouse College writes a lot about, you know, how you le can learn a lot about identity development from hip hop artists who, you know, who have a collective body of work where you can hear what they sounded like when they were teenagers all the way through, you know, you've got hip hop artists that are in their 40s and 50s now continuing to make records, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, like Nas for prime example. I mean, we've heard him all the way from from 1994 to 2020, right? So like, you, you know, you, 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 get, you can learn a lot about his growth along that trajectory. And I think that, you know, while my records aren't as famous as those yet, <laughs> I, yeah. I think that uh, this particular season of life, uh, I'm certainly making records that are informed by the things that I'm reading and the things that I'm thinking about and the things that um, I want to share with people. And uh, it's funny, it's like Angelou shows two records that I um, have uh, for this forthcoming project. So uh, clearly the uh, Dancing for Freedom record that uh, got a lot of attention on TikTok and Instagram and other places, um, starts off with a, a homage to her cage bird, you know, uh, I know why the cage bird sings, right? But I have another song, uh, which is going to be the second uh, single from the project called Still I Rise, you know, which uh -huh. obviously is a very famous poem of hers. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, and she's, she is profoundly inspirational and her life has these twists and turns and arcs and you know, she had uh, um, different eras that that inform, you know, who who she was uh, um, in totality. And I think that that's also a place that I draw inspiration from, like from the arc of her life. You can't reduce her like you really just can't reduce her because she was all of the things. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um yeah, and I'm just hopeful also to to uh, express that message as well, that, you know, we can change our stripes, we can be all of the things, we can, you know, uh, uh, have errors in our, our lives where we're really into doing the, this thing, and then have errors of our lives where we're doing this other thing, and that, you know, we, we only get one of these, and so, you know, why not... Um, you know, express yourself in all of the ways and um, be be all of the people <laughs> that you want to be mm -hmm. um, through 
through through the journey. So um, yeah, so in this moment where I do have some people that are like, why why would you do hip hop and you know whatever? And it's just like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> like why wouldn't I? Like I should uh-huh. not do hip hop because there are people in the world who would be silly enough to take me less seriously because I do hip hop. That's their problem, not mine. Exactly. Right? Like my science is good. I'm also going to make this hip hop, and hopefully there are other um, people working on dissertations or books or teaching or or what have you that have this artist that they've been tucking away that they're maybe we'll hear this and say, you know what, let me go pull my guitar off the shelf. Let me go sign up for those piano lessons. Let me go back to, you know, some adult ballet classes or something and just go and do the things because why, why wouldn't you, if it's going to be something that's going to contribute to your happiness and, and well-being and maybe even make you better at the other thing, because you're doing it with a, a, a reduced weight on your shoulder and with a lot of, um, you know, just authorization to live in your full humanity. Why not? Why not is exactly what I think. (laughs) You know, music is very powerful and it does bring a lot of joy. And I think a lot of people during the pandemic discovered that they needed other outlets. Work is not the end all be all. Your title is not your end all be all. All those things can be taken away in an instant. And so... Um, the whole idea of, you know, the, you know, why the caged bird sings and it, you, you say that um, caged is the situation and free is the essence. And mm-hmm. that's how we need to approach life. And I also, um, in another podcast of yours that I had heard, you said that um, looking in that mirror and finding your worthiness and investing in it, you said it's an iterative process. And that's the learning journey of life. It is about you take a step forward, you learn from it, you reflect on it, you look in the mirror again and you see how you've changed, maybe how you're the same and how you want to maybe do something differently to change again. And I think that process went on a lot in the pandemic too, as people were sitting at home and looking at the same scenery in their backyard or at their kitchen table every day. And they were like, you know, I need to reflect and I need to learn from this and what am I going to do differently? And Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a healthy attitude to teach and to model for Mm -hmm. all young people. Um, And it is a choice every, like we were talking about every, every single moment, every single day, what we're going to uh, the message we're going to send and the role model we're going to be. And so I'm going to segue into also, I know that you, like to be of service and that's what your real purpose is. And I think that when we evolve and we enlighten and grow spiritually, you know, that's what we, you know, reach eventually is, it's not really about me. It's about how can I bring forth my gifts and how can I change the world and how can I authorize other people to, you know, make the world a better place. And I think you, are doing that with your hip hop music and you're doing that with your teaching. And um, that is, it, it's such a gift and thank you for that. And um, your students are so blessed to have you. And I hope, I'm gonna put a, a link in the podcast for everyone to go and you know to your website and also um, your social media and follow you on Instagram and everything so that um, 
they can learn more uh, about you and be inspired by you. Because I pyramid scheme of inspiration. That's what, another quote from you. And uh, that's why here again, the spirit of teaching, it's inspiration. We have to inspire each other and lift each other up. Absolutely. So both your songs, Freedom and, you know, the, 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 about not being caged and then, you know, I Rise. And I mean, those are just, that just I just love your messages and I love everything that you're doing. So thank you, um, thank you so much. Yeah. So at the end, I usually um, ask a couple of little questions. It can be just short answers, one word, whatever. Um, so you ready for that? Yeah, well, let's, yeah. let's do it. All yeah. right. So what's the greatest hope you have for your students? Ooh, that they impact the world in the ways that are the, the height of what they could imagine for themselves and that they just go after it, that they dream it up, you know, a a humongous set of shoes to feel and then fill them. That's my greatest dream for and my then, students. And then take the first step on their journey and walk in. Them. And then and yeah. walk and walk in them. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So um, what is your greatest dream come true? My greatest dream come true would be to take the the moments of life and that I've been able to positively impact people and just scale it to just something astronomical. I just want to positively impact people, uh, inspire people and inspire people to inspire others, um, but at a massive scale. And whether or not that is through the vehicle of, of scholarship or through the vehicle of, uh, of, of music or some other form of media, I'm not even sure what that is going to be yet. But it, it really is uh, a, a, a just wave of positive uh, inspiration and authorization that, that people can continuously draw back from uh that would be you know if that is what i do with my dash in between you know 1977 and and wherever then i will um i will decompose with a smile on my face (laughs) (laughs) that's more of a diagram overlap for us because that's exactly how i feel i feel like i mean i impacted a lot of kids in the classroom in very positive ways and other teachers but now that I'm retired, it's like, I, I, I feel like I can do more. I don't want to be held back and, and, uh, and I want to be of service and I want to be inspiring. So um, that's, a, that's a good purpose to have in life for everybody, I think. Um, it doesn't have to be just in teaching, just be a good human being with good influence mm-hmm. and good impact. So um, what would be your advice to new teachers? My advice to new teachers would be to think a lot about cultural sets and the things that your students are bringing to the classroom 
that could be connection points for you to teach them other things, right? Because even, even that student that, that, like every student in that class knows something and they, they lear- they've learned things, right? And like, what is, what is the thing that they're um, excited about or what are these touch points that you can really get through to them uh, through? And I, you know, I, I remember once upon a time working as a research assistant for my father, where one of my jobs was to be a part of uh, working with three students who had maybe been flagged as falling particularly behind or, you know, um, that, you know, teachers were having a tough time with. And I remember one of these kids was just super into wrestling. And there was another kid who was like super into telling jokes. And it's like, well, let's write jokes. Well, let's write them grammatically correct. Or like, let's let's talk about, you know, how you've written them. And then I could, I could get them to write. And then it was like, it just, the floodgates of him having a positive engagement with language but he already had a positive engagement with language. It just hadn't, nobody had connected those points, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, you know, uh, um, with, with the student who was really into wrestling, that's what we wrote about. We're going to write about wrestling. That's what we write. But through writing about wrestling, um, you know, I could, could get him to think about how he was writing about wrestling. And it, it really, again, opened up the floodgates for them. So it's like, what is, what gets them excited? Figure out what gets them excited and use it to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and from that strategy, I feel like you might, you just might be able to get through all, to all of them. And meet them where they are, because if you meet them where they are, that's your connection yeah. point. And this whole idea again, of learning loss that they're way behind here, you're not going to meet them where they are. Because they're mm-hmm. not back there. They're here, right here in front of mm-hmm. you now. Meet them where they mm-hmm. are. Learn about them. One of the things I found oh. out through all of the podcasts I've been doing with teachers is that relationship is one of the key components to the student's success and the teacher's success and the reward and everything. Mm-hmm. It's not the test score. It's not mm-hmm. you know, where they are on a, on a, a, you know, a, a bell curve or a number or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. that relationship mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. here again can either be a point of connection or a point of disconnection, depending on, exactly. you know, the words and yeah. what we choose to see in other people. So, right, right. Yeah. Now, yeah. my, my PhD advisor talks about the four R's of education reading, writing, arithmetic, and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's the most yep. important one. So on Instagram, you're Starks Malik at Starks Malik's S-T-A-R-X-M-A-L-I-K, right? Yeah. And yep. then on Twitter, you're Malik Starks. Yeah. And your website, everybody go there. I'm going to put this all in the podcast notes and everything. So you can go and, and I, the song is wonderful. And the TikTok video is, that's why it's got, you know, it's gone viral is malikstarks.com. So everybody go and seek more inspiration and follow uh, Malik and and, uh, share it with your students and make lots of connections. So 
Thank you Thank for being you so here. This has been wonderful. Thanks for having me. No, this has been fantastic. And hope hope this isn't our last conversation. Looking forward to the next one. I hope I hope it's not our last one. I told you we've got big Venn diagram overlap. I think I think we're related somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> Hello again, everyone. This is your host, Linda Markley, and I'd like to invite you to nominate a teacher to be a guest on the podcast and to share their story. All you have to do is go to www.spiritofteaching.org and fill out the nomination form. Again, that's www.spiritofteaching.org. Also, please share, rate, and give some feedback to help us better serve you in the spirit of teaching. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to having you back next time on Teacher Tales.